want to welcome you today. We're going to start a new series, two weeks, called The God Factor. going to finish it up next week with our military uh, dedication service next week. If you want to be here next week, we're going to have the honor guard do a surrender to the flag. We're going to do a flag folding, and we're going to give you the Christian meaning of the flag, why it's folded. And it will open your eyes to why America is the greatest country in the world and why that flag is the most hated flag in the world, because it's all biblical. It has nothing to do with secular. It's all biblical. So you want to come on out for that, and we're going to feed our young military folks and our old military folks and bless them with a meal because they are worthy of all honor and respect. Amen? All right, the God factor. I want you to turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 17, starting in verse 8 through 16. Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. When I recognize this, uh, this uh, series, same thing I'm, I'm looking at and I'm hearing and I'm watching America today and I'm watching Christians today, I'm noticing that we're in constant battle. We're battling something. We're battling it for our marriages, our finances, our children, our health, fitness, whatever it is, is a battle. And one other thing I recognize, Christians are being defeated because one, they're not showing up for the battle, and two, they're not sure that battle even exists. And three, they try to fight without the God factor. And what I want to do is share with you the God factor. I'm going to talk about in the Old Testament. And here's the takeaway. The battle of life is won or lost in prayer. The battle of life is won or lost in prayer. Now, if you have your Bibles, let's go to Exodus chapter 17, starting in verse 8. We're going to read through 16. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rehobim, and that word means rest, a place of rest. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses... Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. Whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under under him and sat him on it. While Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in the book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, his replacement, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner which means Jehovah Nisi, saying, the hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you right now. Holy Spirit, teach us to learn. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now I want to give you a backdrop of this story. You'll see some characters here. I'll tell you where the children of Israel, I talked about it during the offering. Well, they were in bondage for over 400 years. Moses became their deliverer. Ten plagues hit Egypt. Pharaoh let him go. 
They crossed through the Red Sea. Pharaoh tried to follow them, and God closed the sea and wiped out the Egypt's, Egyptian army. They get on the other side, and they have a party. That's in chapter 15. They have a song, and they're partying how God is a, war, a warrior and how good he is. And then three days later, three days later, didn't take them but three days, I need some water. And they needed some water to the place because they're walking from the wilderness to a wilderness. They needed some water. So they came up to a place where the springs and the water was bitter. And Moses cried out to God, and God told him, throw a log in it, and it turned sweet. Then they go from that place to another place, and they're hungry, and they're complaining, and they're grumbling. God hears our complaints, guys. And they get to a place, and they're hungry. So God institutes feeding them on a daily basis. Manna in the morning, quail in the evening. Didn't have to work for it. All they had to do was go out and gather it. They move on from there. Guess it wasn't good enough. Had another complaint. We have no water. Is God sending us out here to die? Testing the Lord. Are you kidding me? But that's us. <laughs> I see myself all in this story. Brings water out of a rock. And God shows his miraculous provision for the children of Israel after they came out of bondage for over 400 years. They didn't know what freedom tasted like or looked like, but they were experiencing a God that was taking care of them. As they come out, you'll see this is the very first time they're going to face a battle. You'll recognize while they were in bondage, there were no wars. There were no battles because they didn't need it. You recognize when they got delivered out, brand new, freedom, the battles came. Be encouraged. If you're born again, you're always facing a battle. Battle is your best friend and your worst enemy at the same time. We'll talk about those battles. They sharpen you, and sometimes they intimidate you. But it's okay. They're not going to go away. You'll see the first name in it, Joshua, the first time he's mentioned. Talking about God, how perfectly he talked about Moses will be replacing, Joseph, Joshua will be replacing Moses. And talking about another character, Amalek, who come from the line of Esau. If you remember Abraham, he had a child. He waited 25 years for Isaac. He had two children, Jacob and Esau. Jacob, the trickster. Esau. Man of the land, served, sold his birthright for a meal because his flesh was hungry. So when you see Amalek, that's a descendant of Esau. In your Bible, Amalek represents the flesh because it's always, he always wanted to gratify his flesh. He gave up his birthright. He was not interested in the spiritual. He was only interested in the natural. Feed me, feed me, feed me. And you'll recognize that we have that same issue, battles. We have two battles, constant battles, one from the inside and one from the outside. Outside forces come in, the devil. But he can't have a place in our life because unless we, have, unless we let him, but our flesh either can repel or it can accept. And the one constant battle that we're always facing 
from the outside is our flesh because we want to do what we want to do. So whenever you see Amalek in the Bible, it represents the flesh, not our skin, our sinful nature. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. And you'll see this daily fight, this daily battle that we all woke up with this morning. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other to keep you <laughs> from doing the things you want to do. Constant battle. You want to know what that battle is on Sunday morning? Should I go to church or should I stay home? Y'all looking at me like, no, we're perfect. No, 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 no. We all had that battle. That's why we're up in the morning praying that God wakes you up and sends you out the door. And sometimes I have that battle too. Should I go preach or should I run to Mexico? But you see, the pattern here in the Bible, battles always follows blessings. They were being blessed and taken care of. Food, clothing, all things, and then the battle shows up. You'll see that in all the great stories. Every man that did, a woman did something great for God, and Jack's breathing hard. Here comes the battle. And the battles aren't a bad thing because they keep us alert. So we don't get so complacent in our blessings. Battles really balance out our blessings because it actually teaches us to rely more on God. And you'll recognize when Amalek attacked the children of Israel, he attacked the back of the line because they went out in stages. He picked up the ones who were weary, who were tired, who were just weak, and they weren't going to follow through because they were so tired of just Walking with God. How can you be tired walking with God? And they were picked off. But God said, those are my people. And that's how the enemy works. Those who are weary become easy targets. All of us today, it's spring. It's a beautiful day outside. Beautiful season. Somehow Christians are like, then you wait to winter. It's too cold. Summer, it's too hot. Spring, it's just too in between. And there's always a reason why we feel weary. And it shouldn't be. But there's one reason why. And I'm going to talk about that. And you'll recognize the scenario. Joshua picks some men the next day, go outside and battle. Moses, Aaron, and her, we're going up on the mountain. Can I do something? We're going up on a mountain. Let me tell you, make sure this don't feedback. When you pray, when believers pray, God gives you a better perspective on life. Because when he lifts you up in prayer, he shows you his view of the circumstance versus your view of the circumstance. You see, when you pray, you're lifted up, and God shows you something. Because perspective is everything. Give you a little story. 
I, love, I used to train people in water survival, how to survive in water. Me and my wife went to an um, amusement park and got in the water. I was worried about her being in the water. I slid down this nice slide, hit my head, got disoriented. So guess what I do? I'm, I'm Mr. Uh, lifeguard, and I'm going to work it out. So I'm in the water spazzing. Right? I'm going ballistic like I'm about to die. Right? Remember that? <laughs> and then she said, Honey! I said, What? 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 Stand up. <laughs> Do you know where the water was? <laughs> but I look good struggling. That's what happens when we don't pray. Our little situation, ha, ha, and we say, just stand up. And you get a better perspective. Moses was over the battleground to get a better perspective. Don't y'all laugh at me anymore. And you saw when Moses got weary. The battle became weak. The enemy got stronger. Not that they got weaker. The enemy became stronger. When prayer stop was getting weaker, the enemy invades our lives. As we pray with strength, the enemy has to subside. When we don't and we become weary and we become weak, because prayer is a lot of work every single day in our lives. When Jesus says in Matthew 5, when you pray, not if you're in trouble, the enemy will rise up, mostly from the inside, because we want to do what we want to do. Sometimes we blame the devil for our own choices. Again, because the battle of life is won and lost in prayer. Prayer is not only defensive, it's offensive. It's not a defensive thing, it's an offensive thing. One thing I love about when we go to war, the first thing we do, if you're in the Air Force, in the Army, in the Navy, they soften up the enemy from the air. See, prayer knows no distance. If I'm praying for someone in Chicago, they're going to be touched by God. See, there's, there's no such thing as distance between when you're praying for somebody. You don't have to be there like the phone company. It's good to be hooked up. You don't have to be hooked up. Hook up to God and then pray for them. We've been there before when God has urged you to get up in the morning, in the middle of the night and pray for somebody because someone needs it right then and there. And then after you have Aaron and her, Lifting up Moses' arms when he got weary. You know, we use this a lot that leaders need to be lifted up in prayer, and we do. But my heart, really, when I read this, how about you? You have someone lifting you up, two people. See, that was family there. Aaron was his brother. The books, the books say that her, they think, was his brother-in-law. 
Because God always thinks about family. Do you have someone in your, not in your natural family, not your biological family. How about spiritual, how important spiritual family is? Do you have someone praying for you, holding your hands up when you need it? And are you praying for them? See, that's why we preach and we give it out about spiritual family so you can be protected. It's nothing like when someone's praying for you. You recognize they're praying for you. And it's nothing like when you're praying for someone else who needs help. We get that chance all the time when our military go to Afghanistan, wherever else they go. We have to we pray for them. Same way we get to pray for you. And that's what family does. Someone sent me a note this week. This is what family does. See, church is not just a Sunday. Not just a Wednesday. It's a way of life with each other. And you know, this is an unusual church because we all look different. Praise the Lord. But we all bring something to the table the other one doesn't. Some of us pray loud. Some of us just stand still. We understand that. But when a, a church comes together and prays, not only things in this church changes, our city starts to change. Because the battle of life is only won, a loss through prayer. And that's my heart. Do you have someone praying for you? And what keeps us from praying for one another or sharing our needs is the old-fashioned word, pride. I'm okay. I don't need prayers. Everybody needs a prayer. If you're over 50... You need a prayer every day. (laughs) Talk to your bones. I'm always casting demons out of my joints. (laughs) And all the old guys, no, seasoned guys say amen. All righty. All right. Yeah. Felt good, didn't it? See, I remember us. But as they took the battle to the Amalek, to the flesh, like we have to take the battle to the flesh every day. Every day you got you to take it to the flesh. You got to take the battle and say, I'm going to do it God's way today, not my way today. Every day battle. Some don't even show up for it. And we can't tell the difference between those who love Jesus and those who hate him because they forgot to show up for the daily battle. So we can tell you to pray. We can tell you to get in your Bible. But really, if you want to have an abundant life, you'll do that because your perspective will change. Because, guys, Jesus called us to live abundant life, not a crucified life. And as they finished up the battle, the Lord talked to Moses and says, Build me an altar. I love this part. And say, the Lord, the Lord. I love this part. I love this part. The Lord is my banner. Means Jehovah Nisi. In the, in, the, in, the, in the days when you go to war, you used to lift your flag up. See, when we lift up, when we come under the banner of Christ, 
is called victory. The standard of Christ, there is no such thing as a loss. The standard says, the Lord is my standard. It's always victorious. We sung about him. We sung about it. That banner that has risen over our lives is victorious. Now meet the standard. How are you going to meet the standard? By believing the standard. You got to believe that you won. You got to believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave and is victorious. You got to believe that you live an abundant life. You got to believe that you're above and not beyond and under. You got to believe that because the standard doesn't change because you change. You don't feel it? It doesn't matter. It's not going to change. That's why we talk about victory in Christ. Identity in Christ. Everything is in Christ. In Christ. Victory in Christ. When it's in Christ, there's a new standard in my life. What they used to call me doesn't count. I'm a Christian, a Christ follower. I'm on a new standard. Now, here's the thing in grace of God. You might not arrive there yet, but that doesn't take away your position. You're still in Christ. (laughs) And you're still being perfected. The bar has been raised, and we didn't have to work for it. Moses, the reason why they raised their hands, because back in those days, the Jews, when they prayed, they raised their hands. They added the staff. When I raised my hands, put my full trust in that staff in God. It wasn't Joshua and his military expertise in the people. It was God's power. And Moses' intercession was brought the victory. See, that's us. God calls us to do a work in our city, and we got a lot of work to do. But we do it by the power of God, and we're praying. We have the intercession of the saints, and guess what? Victorious things start to take place. But you got to believe. See, everyone wants to do everything before prayer. When the first thing you ought to do is pray. Our 930s on Sunday morning, everyone who's going through something ought to be in there. And it's time for us to stop going through it and get through it. How do you get through it? Through See, the thing that we need the most, we hate the most. Because it costs time. I'm glad Jesus didn't work on time. God, but I just don't feel like dying for these folks today. It might just mess up my schedule, (laughs) and they're not going to care about it anyway. He gave it all, and we give it all for our brothers and sisters who are going through something. But we can't let pride how the enemy kills us with pride. He kills us with dissension, division with one another. We're mad at each other, and we don't know why. He knows why, because he doesn't want a, a church that's powerful, walking in his power, doing, making change. So let's bring some division. And then we fight over the things of God, but not God himself. We're in love, we're enamored with the things of God, but not God. I want to have this power. I want to have this but they don't do that here. I'll go over there where they do it. No, God does it all. And he wants people born again. Last time I checked. 
And his power works any way he wants it to work. That's the fun thing about it. We can't take credit for it. Christ intercedes for us. We must learn how to intercede for one another. If you don't get anything today, guys, I'm 54 years old, and I'm learning more what really counts in this life. And all the stuff sometimes we bicker about is non-void to me. If we can't learn to intercede and pray for one another versus cursing one another, talking about one another, emailing people, doing all those things, we need to just give up and go home. That's what he wants us to do. But it's time for us to go ahead and make a change in our world. Go to Hebrews chapter 7, 25, because you don't recognize when you're all sitting here, something is taking place you don't even recognize. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercessions for them. Christ right now is interceding for you right now. Whatever your issue is, he is praying to the Father for you. What a blessing if we all start to pray for one another. Prayer versus criticize. Prayer versus fight. Why? Because the battle of this life is one or loss through the one thing, prayer. Not deliverance ministry, not angels. Not those sidebars. Prayer. The things we're fighting against, when someone's praying for you, you don't fight so hard because you have a brother with you and a sister with you. What I want to do, give you a couple things to do. Because when you talk about fighting the enemy, he doesn't fight fair, does he? And the Bible says our weapons are not of a carnal, not of this world. They're mighty in who? For pulling down strongholds. You want to learn how to fight spiritually? Number one, you can join that class starting on the 6th, the 3rd of June, the first Sunday in June, talking about freedom in Christ. Because you notice there were no wars while they were in bondage. There will always be war when we're free. But you got to learn how to fight those wars and don't turn them into a major battle. Just turn them into a stepping stone that you're getting stronger and stronger every day. Second thing you need to learn how to do. We all need to know how to do this. You can ever find two or three people who just dedicate themselves praying for you. Not out of the family. I'm talking about in family prayer. I recognize when I'm in this family, I'm going somewhere. Because I'm attached to a larger family. And one thing changes as I get older. The intimate friendships I have and the books I read. Because when I'm planted, I'm growing. If I'm playing with Sammy, I'm growing. He's growing with me. When I'm playing with them, they're growing with us. So we talk the same language. Those who disconnect stop growing. Got some dead plants from Lowe's. They didn't make it through the drought. Last time I checked, I'm not trying to get fruit off that. There's nothing wrong, but I desire. Here's my heart. 
that everybody find a place and plant your life so you can grow and do great things for God. Don't become a bystander. Become a main member. Become a main member. Find those who pray for you. Reason why. Put that quote up for me, champion. Let me tell you what happens when we pray together. These two guys, two strong men, you stand up, you stand up, Aaron and her. You know, everyone can't be a Moses, but everyone can be an Aaron and her. Why? You become intimate with the one whom you pray for. So if I'm praying for Roy, there's an intimacy from God from both of us start to grow together. Our lives start to grow together. With whom you pray, if me and Sammy are praying together for Roy, we're getting closer and we're getting closer to him. Do you, are you getting what I'm saying? And to whom you pray? The Lord. So that's a perfect triangle. You, do you see what I'm saying? Now it takes work. That takes dropping the pride. That takes coming to somebody and say, hey, man, can we start getting together? I'm tired of coming only on Sunday and using every excuse why I can't connect. Because there's a lot of excuses out there, but really don't mean anything except your pride. Come on, somebody. If you've been coming now, if you just come here your first time, I'm not talking to you. But if you've been coming here two or three years and, and I, just, I just love this place, that's great, but you're not getting a full meal deal. Which is relationships. Praying for one another. When he can't do it on his own. I chewed him out today. Because he needs his hands lifted up. Some of y'all need your hands lifted up. You've been fighting all by yourself. And we let pride stop us from getting those answers. Now, they might not come right away because timing is everything. But I'm telling you, they're coming. If someone's, they are coming because I believe that God answers prayer. And when he's telling our nation, if the people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will turn. When he talks about healing land, I'll restore it. I'll remove. You know how he talks about how God heals? He removes the sin. He removes the sin. Last time I checked, I want Abilene gone and Christ lifted up in the middle of our city. How's that going to happen? Prayer. Not a great speaker. Not the flash. The one that on their knees. Praying. Seeing something. Can't tell you how many visions we've seen in this city. Now we're going to work it out in our lifetime. But we can only get bigger when our people of God get bigger. Thanks, guys.